Welcome into the 224th episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner, and alongside me, I guess I guess we got to change the name of the podcast, Todd, because I don't think you fit Young Terps. Yeah, I don't think so, Mason. I'm a, I'm more like in the ancient Terps category. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Don't know about that, but we are back with the non-rev report today. We have a full week of action to recap, and we are talking about the Terps win over the number 21 Indiana Hoosiers, and of course our four-game look-ahead, which has become a tradition this year for basketball on the podcast. Todd, uh, let's head over to the non-rev report first, and we're kicking it off with some wrestling. Yeah, wrestling uh, continues to struggle as they go through Big Ten play. They went out to Michigan last weekend for a uh, Friday-Sunday meet against Michigan State and uh, on Friday and Michigan on Sunday. Now, Michigan was kind of expected to lose. They're, they're a top-10 program there. Uh, but Michigan State, you hope, might be a competitive match because they're ranked 24th. And although Maryland has fallen out of the rankings in the coaches' poll, they're still ranked in, in one of the other, like, Intermat or, or, or Flow Wrestling or one of those polls in the mid-20s even after these losses. But um, what happened really was, was they got out there and um, injuries and, and illnesses have uh, kind of been running through the team. So um, they missed three of their top five wrestlers against Michigan State and added a fourth to that list when they went on Sunday to Michigan. So they were the, the two Michigan schools handled them pretty easily. Yeah, 37-9 to Michigan State and 44-5 to the number six Wolverines. Todd, what's coming up for the Terps on the mat? Uh, next thing we have is uh, the State University of New Jersey. Uh, some of your listeners or our listeners might know it as Rutgers. Uh, they're ranked 23-24 in, in the uh, coaches poll. Um you know, again, if the Terps can get healthy from last week, that, that match will come up on Sunday at uh, uh, 2 o'clock, and it'll be broadcast on the, the parent BTN network. We don't have to get on the plus yet. Um, so it's at the pavilion, and one, one hopes that if they have a decent crowd and, and Maryland gets healthy, that that could be a competitive match, and maybe the Terps will break through with a rare uh, Big Ten Conference dual win, something that I think they only have one or two of since joining the conference. Yeah, and Alex Clemson looking to add to that total. Uh, sticking in the Xbox over to the Jim Terps, Todd, and uh, they're significantly ahead of where they were at uh, this time last year. Yeah, absolutely, Mason. I mean, they started out the, the year terrifically at, uh, as we talked about, uh, I guess, a couple of podcasts ago uh, when they went out to uh, West Virginia for a try meet and had the second highest first meet score in program history, and they've continued to improve. So although they lost in the dual meet to Michigan State, Michigan State currently uh, ranked 12th. Uh, these rankings don't mean a whole lot yet until we get into, it takes really six, at, at least six meets before the rankings start to, to have any real meaning. But uh, they keep continuing to improve their score. Um, the, the loss was pretty substantial. They lost by about a half a point. Um, but 
they also bumped their score up by about a half a point, going from 195.875 to 196.425. So that drops them in right now at 26. Uh, Penn State probably was 27, but didn't uh, compete till Monday, probably will pass them uh, based on their score in the last meet. But again, it doesn't really mean a whole lot until they get that six meets in. Um, so after you mentioned that, that they're improved, uh, last year, Maryland's average score had them ranked uh, 48th at this point in the season. They finished 20th. So typically, Brett's teams get better as the year goes along. Yeah, and that is important. And as Todd kind of hinted to, and, and we talked about two uh, podcasts ago, if you didn't catch that one, the wins and losses in gymnastics really don't matter. It's all about that team average score and where you place in that uh, come tournament time. So not one where you're really focusing on the wins and losses. Correct. Um, the, the the only place it, it does a little bit affect you is is where you compete when the Big Ten has a, an annual tradition where they split the teams into, into a sort of what they call it the Big Five meet. And so you get five teams in each um, in, in two different sites and and where you are in the standings based on wins and losses determines your order of competition. So it's it, but it's very minor because it, it does all come down to score and uh, now we can get into our friends and, and promote our friends over at BTN Plus um, because the Terps will travel to Ohio State Sunday and two o'clock for another head-to-head -head against the Buckeyes, who are currently sitting number 15 in the country. Yep, Todd, having to fill that BTN Plus uh, shout-out here in the non-ref report. Uh, over to the tennis court where the Terps uh, played one of the best teams in the country over the weekend, the number two ranked North Carolina Tar Heels uh, down in Chapel Hill, along with a handful of other teams. Yeah, I had kind of misread the schedule when we initially talked about this, Mason, because they had it was really what it was, was a four team tournament with a sort of a winners and losers bracket. So Maryland played North Carolina on Friday. They lost. Utah played Charlotte on Friday and Utah lost. So Maryland played Utah on Saturday and Charlotte played uh, North Carolina on Saturday. And the way I had read the schedule, it looked like Maryland was going to play all three teams and they only played Utah. Um, you know, North Carolina ranked number two in the country. So not not a big surprise that you go onto their home courts and, and drop a match. They did take a couple of sets, but it was really a pretty handy handle North Carolina won fairly handily. Um, Maryland then uh, played, uh, competed against Utah on Saturday, and it looked like the Terps were going to handle the Utes pretty easily. Uh, they, they jumped, they won the doubles point, they jumped out to a 3 nothing lead, and then suddenly you looked up and Utah had won a couple of matches and was going into tie breaks in a couple of others in, in second set tie breaks. So, uh, but Maryland managed to pull it out. Callista Liu uh, won at number four singles to close that out to move the Turks to three and one on the season. So that's a, a nice start for them. Um, and Maryland will be in action this weekend. Also on Sunday, uh, their match is at 11 o'clock up in New Hampshire. And yes, they're playing indoors. Yeah, lucky for them that they're playing indoors against uh, some Ivy League competition against uh, Dartmouth. Correct. 
Um, and Dartmouth currently sitting at 2-0. Uh, they'll play Boston College on Saturday. The Terps' only match this weekend will be the one at Dartmouth. And then after that, they'll stay on the road for another week or two before they come home finally uh, to play some home matches. Yeah, and that game or match can be seen uh, on the Ivy League Network on the link off of the Dartmouth website. Todd, uh, the Terps on the basketball court, a uh, handful of games, some ups and some downs with a, a fairly big uh, beatdown last night on the big ESPN network uh, for our Lady Terps. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll just quickly mention that uh, the Terps had gone out to Nebraska, picked up a win out there where they were able to sort of avenge the loss that they, they suffered to the uh, Cornhuskers at home and then stretched their Win, a win streak to five games by beating uh, then number 13 Michigan with a, a 72-64 win and then picked up a win Monday ago against Penn State which was relatively easy when in a game where Brenda sort of let everybody play who was healthy and um, had some odd combinations probably a game where if Brenda had played her starters Maryland would have won by 30 or more um, but uh Last night, as you mentioned, the Terps got onto national TV. They traveled out to uh, Iowa City. Uh, they played the, they faced the number six ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. So it was number eight against number six. And Maryland uh, started out, the women started out with a, what, what I can best describe as a Maryland men's team worthy performance from behind the arc. Yeah. And it, uh, did not help that the Terps were playing against one of the best players in the country, Caitlin Clark, who put up, what was it, 44, Todd, or 42? I think, I think 42, I believe, yeah. Yes. Uh, she was 6, six for 11 from, from three, and, and that's a kid who, who basically has range once she's in the gym. She's one of those kind of shooters. Yeah, and, and despite Cheyenne Sellers having a great first half specifically, and Diamond Miller, uh, Miller with 27, Sellers with uh, 26. The Terps just uh, just didn't have it. They, they cut yeah, into the happened, lead a little bit. What but... happened, yeah, I, I mean, pretty much what happened, a couple of things happened, Mason. I mean, again, Maryland came out. They couldn't make a three. They finished two for 18 from behind the arc in a, a, a what, a 12 or 14-point loss. And... Um, you know, it was a 14-point loss. So if you just shoot 33%, 6 for 18, suddenly that's a two-point game, and it's a very different complexion. But they dug them, themselves a big hole. They let Nebraska – I mean, they let uh, Iowa pretty much control the pace. It was a blisteringly fast game, 85 possessions in that game. Um, Maryland is not a team this year that's built to compete in a game that has 85 possessions. They're going to lose that almost every time just because they don't have the consistency of scorers. Although, you know, again, it was a game without a lot of defense. Teams combined for 100 points in the paint. Um, there, there were a lot of turnovers. I think the, the pace contributed to that. 18 for Maryland, 19 for Iowa. Um, Caitlin Clark came close to picking up her ninth career double-double. She's, I mean, triple-double. She's kind of a triple-double machine at the college level, the way Sabrina Ionescu was for Oregon a few years ago. Um, 
but uh, you know, and then Maryland had trouble containing uh, Monica Zanano on the inside, who had 28. So if you take Clark's 42 and Zanano's 28, that's 70 of their 96 points. Yeah, and that Iowa team is just something to watch this year, Todd, isn't it? Yeah, they 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 are. They 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 uh, they play a very effective, efficient kind of uh, offensive style. Uh, Maryland's press, although it turned them over sometimes, you know, really when they were able to break the press, they were getting easy layups. I, I think they had uh, something like 27 assists on their baskets. I don't know. I didn't look at the, the actual stat, 23, 27 assists. It was a, a, a pretty impressive night. They share the ball well. Lisa Bluter's been there for, feels like forever. She's 800 plus wins and, and she runs the same system offensively and really what Maryland really needed to do was to be able to sort of slow the pace and control the tempo, and they'll get another shot. They have Iowa in the next to last game of the season. Yeah, and a big one coming up for the Terps uh, at Xfinity. Maryland will take on the number 10 Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Ohio State on a bit of a slide, but they stopped their slide with a 90-67 to win uh, at Wisconsin Wednesday night, and that game is Sunday afternoon at 4 on ESPN two, correct. So uh, I mean, a, a big chat, big big game for the Terps because both Maryland and Ohio State are now sitting with three losses in conference play, and you want to get it, try to get into that top four, so that when you go into um, the when you get get into the Big Ten tournament, you kind of get the double bye. So you're you're only playing three games instead of four or five uh, over the weekend. And that would give the Terps at least some some advantage going in. But they again, they, they then have to travel to Ohio State uh, for the last game of the regular season. Todd, where are the Terps sitting right now bracket wise? Uh, you just mentioned the conference tournament, but the Big Ten, a really, really strong league this year. Yeah, um, I think right now the last the last sort of bracketology by Charlie Cream that I saw had uh, Maryland as a three seed. And I don't think that the loss at Iowa um, will will hurt that. Um, so you know that there that you have um, Maryland coming in with uh, yeah the I think he Cream had the Big Ten putting eight or nine teams into the tournament. Uh, so so that that should give you an idea of the strength of the conference uh, top to bottom. Indiana topping the conference, obviously, uh, both in net and in the polls. Um, the top four of, in the conference being Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, and Maryland, closely followed by Michigan. Illinois started the year very hot. They faded a little bit. Um, Purdue, Nebraska kind of make up the, the middle of the conference. Yeah, and just almost a complete turnaround from those days, early days for the Terps in the conference, when it was basically just Maryland. Uh, and Ohio State. But, Todd, we will follow on now with the women's bracketology going forward uh, as we get closer to the month of March. All right, Mason. You know, we can keep looking at it. Yeah, speaking of uh, brackets that we're looking at, let's flip it over to the men's side. And, Todd, uh, a big win for the Terps over the number 21 in the AP poll, not even ranked in the USA Today, uh, Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, we've talked – uh, I guess kind of ad nauseum about it, Mason, that the Terps were coming in after that close loss at Purdue 
They had three straight at home and uh, a very winnable game coming up at Minnesota this weekend, but that the Terps needed to come out of that stretch, uh, the winning all three home games, preferably winning the game on the road. So four and oh, uh, out of that stretch, and then with a game at Ohio at Michigan State before they return back home for a pair of games at Xfinity Center. You know, uh, you know, I'm not sure how the rankings work and how all of these, you know, miscellaneous calculations work. I know that coming in, Indiana should have provided the Terps with a quad one win, a, a needed quad one win in terms of their net because they were. Um, sitting at, I think, 17 or 18 before the Maryland game. Uh, I think the loss has probably dropped them down somewhat. Yeah, now 22nd. 20, 20, 22. Uh, you know, so it's it was a game that Maryland needed to win. It was another game that uh, the Terps managed to to make interesting. I thought that, that there was actually uh, a really key moment in that game and it was generated by Ian Martinez, of all people. Yeah, yeah, Ian Martinez, who had a really, really good game. If you listen to our post-game show after, I focused on it uh, quite a bit. I believe plus 17 in the game for the Terps, Ian Martinez was. He hit a huge three, which, Todd, I'm pretty sure that's the play uh, that you're talking about. A and Maryland's defense just brought the intensity, and, and it really led the Terps to for the most part, limit Trace Jackson Davis, especially early in the game. He did get going and uh, have a real, real home court advantage, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, and again, I, you know, I've said this about both Maryland teams. I think that, that both teams really need to have their identities uh, built around defense, and hopefully they'll figure out a way to get the defense to travel. That's always been the, the sort of the mantra of, sports is that defense travels offense might not and yet the Terps generally although it did to a large degree when Maryland went to Purdue I mean that was a 58-55 game they held Purdue to 58 points so uh you know I mean Purdue's played a lot of close games it wasn't the closeness of the game that I'm referring to here it's really the the fact that they held Purdue under 60 and and then of course they they came in with the three uh three home games that they had. And, and what do you have? You have Wisconsin scoring 55, Nebraska 63, and Indiana 55. You know, that's a, that's a, a pretty phenomenal defensive effort. You look at the last five games for Maryland that they've won four, the only team to break 60 against them was Michigan. Yeah, I mean, the Terps defense is playing extremely well right now. Todd, oh. um, taking a look, or it was Nebraska. Nebraska was the one that scored over 60. Yeah, uh, actually, Mich uh, that's right, Nebraska. Yeah, was the, that's the only team to get over 60 against Maryland in the last five. I mean, you know, that's great defense. I don't, I don't care, you know, and, and when you're playing that level defense against power five teams, I don't care whether it's the top of your conference or the bottom of your conference, that's great defense. Yeah, a couple things uh, more on the Indiana game. Uh, one player that we talked about a little bit in our preview of it was Jalen Hood Schifano, the point guard freshman for Indiana. And, and I said that he could score 30, Todd, and his stat line, he ends up shooting one for 14 in the game. Uh, he gets three points. So <laughs> I, I kind of I, I identified him as one of the X factors in the game, and it definitely showed uh, his just, just could not hit anything uh, from well, the field till late. 
Right. He and and he had exploded in in their previous game, if I if I remember correctly, and had had just kind of carried them almost to to a win. But you know, again, I think Maryland's defense. I, I think the atmosphere at the Xbox, as I like to call it, and Maryland's defense. And I think Kevin Willard said this in his post game press conference. It just never the the impact of Maryland's defense is that it never let him or the T or Indiana get into a kind of an offensive flow and offensive rhythm. And, and as a freshman uh, point guard, I think that might've been the first time he had had to deal with as, as many changes, changing looks as Maryland now throws at their opponents defensively. Yeah. And Indiana just really struggled to find any rhythm uh, in the game as a whole. Just, they, they had some open looks, it just the shot just wasn't there. There were times where you felt like Indiana could get back into it, but, um, you know, they get that intentional foul there in the second half and, and just never, and it is credit to Maryland, teams just never get clicking. You know, they might have some yeah. runs, small runs throughout the game, but the Terps' constant pressure, I think the the kind of crowd, not necessarily the size of the crowd, but the kind of crowd that Maryland have has really gets into teams' heads and... and it is really the only true real East Coast environment in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Mason. And, and uh, you know, I mean, look, Maryland's, I think their only loss at home this year is is the shocker to UCLA. And uh, the shocker by by terms of margin, not necessarily that, that the Terps dropped that game. Um, you know, and they and they really taking care of business at home uh, in, in Big Ten play. And the play that you mentioned, that's the play that I was thinking about uh, that Martinez made because he had been called for a moving screen right before that. He, Indiana came down after the turnover and Martinez jumped the passing lane, got a steal, drew the intentional foul, made the two free throws and Maryland scored again. And Indiana was on a bit of a run. They had started that half at like an eight to two, eight to nothing, 10 to four, something like that run. And that stopped it, and then Maryland kind of controlled the game from that point out. I thought that play was really sort of a pivotal moment in the second half for Maryland. Yeah, the Terps are back in action tomorrow night. We're recording this show uh, on Friday, 9 o'clock start, 8 o'clock local time out there uh, in Minneapolis against a Minnesota team that is at the bottom of the Big Ten right now. 1-10 in the conference, 7-14 overall. And uh, from what I was reading this morning, looks like they'll have some of their best players uh, out with injury uh, against the Terps. So it's going to be a tough one uh, at the barn because it always just seems to be tough at the barn uh, for Maryland. Yeah, you know, for, for I think for, for most teams, it, it gets tough at the barn just because that, that floor is elevated. It's a little weird playing there. You know, it's just I think that uh, team, teams do struggle because of that a little bit. but. You know, this is this is a game where, again. Maryland can't go in overconfident. Uh, they have to take care of business. It, it takes a lot of pressure if they win this game to uh, Friday night or Saturday night. It takes a lot of pressure off them when they go into Michigan State. And you know, I mean, because you want to, if you can defend your home court undefeated, great. That would give you ten. This one win on the road under those circumstances would give you 11. And I think that locks Maryland into a, an NCAA tournament bid, but uh, 
you know, you can't count on on beating um, on, on beating uh, Purdue at home. Purdue is just they're they're a gritty, gutty number one team in the country right now, and that'll be another nine o'clock game, which I think neither of us is particularly looking forward to. No, no, I'm not. Um, the nine o'clock games are certainly not my favorite. Not an excuse for the attendance that Maryland's been having, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Todd, you mentioned it. The Terps will play Michigan State after that. Uh, the Spartans right in that middle pack of the conference along with Maryland right now. 14-8 uh, and eight overall. Played a really, really tough schedule. 6-5 uh, and five in the conference. Uh, coming off of a loss on the road. Just a beatdown against the Purdue team that you just mentioned. They'll play the Big Ten's annual game uh, at MSG Saturday uh, at noon against the State University of New Jersey, also known as Rutgers. So both teams with uh, a game Saturday, then the 9 o'clock game Tuesday at the Breslin Center that can be seen on ESPN2. We'll be back here on the podcast. We're not ending the show, but we'll be back after that Michigan State game with recaps uh, of these past two as well as the look ahead. Uh, before we talk tournament seating and, and quad wins and all that, the crowds at Xfinity Center, Todd, have been – I think less than acceptable or less than the standard to take something from football uh, this year for the Terps. Yeah, I, I agree, Mason. I, you know, I think that, that uh, I know that when you talk to Rob Vaughn in, at media day, he said that, that winning solves a lot of problems and, and, and it certainly does, but it also tends to be a situation where the attendance will lag a year behind that. And, and, and I think it's complicated further by COVID. I think people figured out during COVID when they couldn't go to games that, hey, I, why do I need to fight the traffic? Why do I need to drag myself all the way over to Maryland for a nine o'clock game? I won't get home till midnight or after midnight by the time I get out, I get off campus and I have to work the next day. And maybe I have to go into the office or maybe I can work from home, you know, and, and I can just watch the game on TV or stream it or something. And I think that's depressed attendance some, but it, it really has been disappointing. And fortunately the students have been really showing up and showing out and that's what creates the atmosphere. It's not the old guys like me sitting in, in row 15 that create the atmosphere. It's the students. I, I would agree with, with most of your points there. Um, you know, it's things have definitely changed and, Look, nine o'clock on a weeknight is is a tough, tough thing to do when, especially when you're working, you're living an hour away. Like it seems like most people that make it to the games do. It's just unfortunate that you just don't see the same types of crowds. It's it's the first time in, in a long time where Maryland's been decent that you see, you know, tickets on sale from UM Terps between the baskets, and the amount of you know the eighty percent open. Uh, sections in the lower deck end zones it, it just it's almost mind-boggling comes to mind as 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 the word that what used to be just such a hot ticket is now half price uh on um terps the day before the game because they're just trying to get people into the building yeah you know and and i understand that they're just trying to get people into the building but my, and and maybe generate a little revenue, but you know my my feeling, Mason, and I and again I said it as to who generates the energy and who generates the atmosphere. If you got those seats empty, get the students in them. Yeah, and they did that against Illinois, and it was it was a fantastic environment. Now there were you know 
whatever it is, 11,000 other people at that game uh, that weren't students. There were probably about 5,000 students, 11,000 just spectators, and that gives you your 16,000 that were there. Um, but I would agree, get people into the seats. That that has to be it. They'll buy beer, they'll buy hot dogs, they'll buy uh, merchandise, and they'll become Maryland fans, especially when you're engaging the community and your student community that may or may not really be fans of the team uh, after they graduate, but there's certainly a higher chance that they'll become Terrapin Club members or you know NIL contributors if they're at the games while they're on campus, and that, that has to be your goal if you're Maryland. And the one thing, another thing that I will say about this is the excuse that I see on Twitter that our 14,000 fans would sell out 95% of the arenas in this country is bogus. Well, it's not bogus, it's true, but it's bogus in the sense that Maryland chose to build a 17,000-seat basketball stadium. That Correct. is the stadium that we used to fill on some sort of regular basis. So that's, that's right, Mason. You know, I mean, but again, you know, I mean, there's a depression overall in attendance. How many, how many years did the Redskins, or I'm sorry, the commanders lie about having a season ticket waiting list. And, and that stadium is never full anymore. And, and it's got loads of visiting fans, but Maryland does it almost effectively colleges and universities have close to a captive audience in that again if it's the day before a game i i'd almost as as a merrill as as maryland i'd almost rather give that seat away to a to a student the ones between the the baselines that you said are, go unsold than sell it for half price yeah they're only selling upper deck tickets for half price if i didn't uh, say that correctly. But back to my rant, okay. it's not like we're playing in you know Capital One Arena downtown and that's the only stadium if you're Georgetown or the situation that Marquette's in where they're still getting great crowds in an NBA stadium. Maryland chose to do this. They chose to build, the, they made the choice knowing the size and the area that we're in to build that arena on campus, which you know you could disagree with or agree with. And now things have changed and they're just not selling tickets at the same rate. So when you see all those empty seats on TV, it's not like we built a concert venue and a basketball stadium. No, we cut corners. We built a basketball only stadium that's this size. And now, unfortunately, due to demand, they have to live with the fact that they have a crowd that's bigger than 90% of other college basketball venues on a Tuesday night. But there's 5,000 empty seats and the place looks empty on TV. There you go. I mean, but you know, again, I don't know that anybody – when they built the arena 20 years ago, and it is basically a 20 year old arena now, um, because it opened after the national championship season, um, that anybody could have foreseen that in two decades, they wouldn't be able to fill the arena. But, and, and that there were all of these factors would come into play. You might've been able to look out and say, well, what happens if we start uh, being a less than successful program, will people stop coming and that sort of thing. But to all ha add all these other factors in that have now come into play, the, the growth of uh, broadcast, the game, broadcasting the games, the, the, the happenstance of COVID and all of these other factors that have served to depress attendance. But there they are. They built it. They, they're stuck with it. And unless they make some, find a way to, to make big changes, you're going to see empty seats at Maryland. Nay, hey, but I'm almost certain if they start winning, you'll see next to none still. Because <laughs> people, people in this town certainly love a winner. Last thing on the crowd is 
Todd, how great is the um, Rock and Roll Part 2 song being back, actually being played uh, both, I guess, after big moments in the game and right before tip-off, uh, as the tradition says? As tradition says, you know, I mean, Mason, you know I didn't go to Maryland. I'm just a big sort of Maryland fan, but I I revel in the playing of Rock and Roll Part 2 every time it's it's put on, they put it on the uh uh, speaker system. I'd like to hear the band start playing it uh, and go go back to that route, which would make it even more traditional. Yeah, so would I. And that's the one thing I don't get is why the band is not playing it. And I know that if I'm not really one to complain with this because I never really thought we would hear the song played, the actual song played by the band or the sound system, only the student version of it. That that it also came back near the end of the game uh, when the song got cut off after a timeout. But it is just great, and it brings the stadium together, and that's one thing that everybody loves to complain about that we've been able to eliminate just by bringing back, you know, I guess a tradition or one that was ruled out because it was too rude or, or whatever reason it was gotten rid of for. It does, it's the only real thing that I think unites Maryland's fans that are in the building together like the other Big Ten teams, like the other big basketball programs or sports programs. Uh, in the country. Everybody has those traditions. We were lacking in them. And look, if it's going to be our thing to be ridiculously rude, I think that the administration has finally agreed with that and just said, you know what? We are who we are, and there's no hiding from that. That's right. And, and you know, I, although I think it predated him and and they were doing it at football, I think Kevin Willard probably loves it. He strikes me as the kind of guy who loves that. I, I would agree with that. Todd, quick look at where the Terps stand in the tournament. But before we get to that, this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. No bigger or better place to bet in America than DraftKings Sportsbook, which is now live here in Maryland. And you can join and get $200 in free bets with one $5 wager with our code YOUNGTERPS on the DraftKings app. The big game is coming up. Yep, it's the Super Bowl between Kansas City and Philadelphia. Todd, uh, it's still sitting right there at a Philly, about a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, it, it dropped all the way down to one early after the odds were released. Now back up to one-and-a-half, the Eagles favored over the Chiefs. And DraftKings has all the odds, all the prop bets, and a bunch of specials coming up for the Super Bowl. Make sure to sign up if you haven't done so yet with our promo code YOUNGTERPS. You must be present here in Maryland, also live in Virginia as well, and 21 or older to gamble. Gambling problem, go to mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, and, and can I ask you, Nason, uh, uh, Mason, how uh, do, the, do our friends at DraftKings see the Maryland game tomorrow? Have you looked at that? I did look, and I didn't see anything live for it yet. Um, I'm going to guess Maryland probably is a 12-point favorite on the road? Okay. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, this year with, with, with the way that things have gone for, especially in the Big Ten, four teams uh, on the road and a Maryland team that hasn't played well on it, I could see Maryland maybe an eight-point favorite, but I can't see it much, much, much lower than that. Okay. Well, you know, I guess we'll we'll encourage uh, our listeners who are interested in those things to head out to DraftKings, uh, download the app if need be, and and take a look. Yes, certainly. And 
I was I was watching the in-game odds against Indiana. I, I took a beating this weekend on DraftKings. Got both of the uh, conference championship games. Uh, both of my picks were wrong. Over-unders were wrong. Only thing that saved me was I, I took Purdue on the spread against Michigan State. I saw that number at eight and, and the way the Boilers were playing some close games and the lack of a Michigan State quality big man and, and was able to kind of salvage my weekend on that early Sunday game. But other than that, um, not a good weekend for my picks. And for the entire Turp Talk gang's picks, honestly, all of us had uh, both NFC Championship games wrong. So, got to look ahead to the Super Bowl. It's, it's always about the next one with that. In, in that area, I guess it is, Mason. For, fortunately, you know, it's, it's hard. To, you know, it's like pulling teeth for, to get me to pick a winner, let alone make a bet on a game. Yeah, uh, but I got you on the last one. You were right. You did pick the Terps over yeah. Indiana. Uh, taking a look at Maryland's tournament resume now uh, like we've made a tradition of here on the podcast Terps current quad rankings three and seven now uh, in against the quad one uh, the three wins coming against Miami Illinois and Indiana four and oh in the quad two which is great for Maryland the one quad three win which is that home win over Nebraska and still seven and oh in the quad four more than likely not going to play another quad four team this year current bracket projections I took a long look this Morning, uh, Maryland as high as a seven seed and no more 11 line for the Terps, Todd, as of this morning. Uh, the lowest I saw them was a 10 seed. So Maryland, uh, they get a solidly in from me. Uh, Todd, uh, I'm not sure if you saw anything different than that. I, I did not. I, the last I looked, I saw that uh, Joe Lunardi, I think, had them in as a 10 seed. And I'm not sure, Mason, it, What? where Where does Minnesota, are they quad three to the Minnesota? They're 220 three in net i'm not sure that could be a quad four game i just don't know no, it is a quad it is a quad three game only because it's on the road if it was at maryland oh, it would be a quad four so maybe you got me there the terps maybe one more quad four at home because i believe minnesota does have a return trip does minnesota have a return trip to college park no i don't think so um i do not think so i think that's oh yes they do yep Yep, they do. So one more quad four, maybe, and if Minnesota steals a couple games, they, they're close to the line uh, with being a quad three. So Terps quad chance for a second quad three win uh, this season on the road uh, against Minnesota. Michigan State, if they're able to pull that one off, would be a big quad one uh, win for the Terps. And then pretty much just alternating between quad two and quad one teams other than the home game against Minnesota, which was currently, as we just mentioned, a quad four. So a lot of chance to build the resume, but also a lot of tough games coming up for the Terps over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Todd, anything to leave the listeners with? Yeah, just uh, let's, let's focus uh, for the, on the men's side. Let's, uh, well, number one, let's focus on the men's side on, on seeing how the Terps take care of business at Minnesota Saturday and then cruise into Michigan state on Tuesday. And just to tease things out, you know, Mason next week, uh, the non-rev report is going to take like four days to get through because we're going to have lacrosse season is going to start softball will open their season down in uh, Mexico, uh, next week. So in addition to the winter sports, we're going to start adding the early spring sports to, to the uh, non-rev report. Yep, that was my last thing you heard. Terps goalie Logan McNaney on the pod earlier this week, along with the baseball coach Rob Vaughn. And, hey, Todd, happy lacrosse season. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. First game Saturday, and 
I will say I'm really happy that my football suite carries over <laughs> into lacrosse season because I understand it's going to be pretty chilly tomorrow. It certainly will be Terps Richmond uh, tomorrow at 12 yeah. at the Shell. And uh, that's one of our favorite times of year, full coverage on TerpTalk.com after that one. And as always, thanks for listening to us here on the pod. Uh, we're in the full swing of things, as Todd just mentioned.